This is the Good Things Guy podcast with myself, Brendan DeCute, South Africa's very own Good Things Guy. I'm on a mission to change what the world pays attention to. I truly believe that there's good news all around us, and I spend my time hunting down and reporting on the best good news stories from South Africa and the world. In the Good Things Guy podcast, you'll meet these everyday heroes and hear their incredible stories. For Joey Evans, participating in extreme racing isn't just a question of passion. It's first and foremost a story of determination. The incredible South African made headlines after beating all the odds following a terrible accident and went from a paraplegic to racing the actual Dakar. And now he's joining Terence Marsh from Redline Motoring Adventure on a 400-kilometer cross-country race, one that I've done already. I have both these adrenaline junkies in studio with me. Joey, Terence, it's great to have you on my Jackpot episode. Uh, welcome to Jackpot. Yeah, it's awesome. Good to be here. Great to have you in studio. Terence, it's good to see you again. Um, the last time uh, I saw you, we were on this one of these 400-kilometer cross-country races. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, that was. A, if you think that was probably near, nearly a year ago, and uh, the cockpit was somewhat smaller than the, the studio we're in now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was a hell of a lot of fun, and uh, really good to see you again. Yeah, man, I'd I'd never climbed in a car before um, in that sort of space, and I'd had to go through this studying where I had to learn these squiggly lines and uh, sort of figure out what the navigation is all about. Joey, have you been doing a little bit of that since since you got involved in this? Uh, yeah, well, at Dakar as motorcycle rider. Is we navigate and ride ourselves, so so I've navigated through quite a quite a number of races before. Now I'm embarrassed. So, I feel like so I'm sitting navigation. in a room with a professional. <laughs> no, no, the, nav- the navigation is fine, but the difference is when I'm navigating on a bike, I'm reading it, and so I don't have to call it out, and I'm also reading like total distance. Whereas now he wants to know distance turn to turn, and I've got to tell him the information, so I've got to describe the information I'm seeing, not just look at it. So it's a whole different kind of mindset. So the first time he got in the car, which was earlier this week, I'm looking at it and I'm and I'm thinking, oh, you know, well, this is great. Or well, I'm looking at the notes before I should say, and I'm thinking, no, this is easy. But then I'm realizing, now I've got to try to explain this stuff to him now. So I've got to get my head around, you know, what's a what's a hard right, what's a veer right, what's a hairpin right, and so we're getting there. So I'm lots gonna, to learn still. I'm going to give you a couple of tips uh, yeah. that you can take with you before we end the show. Um, I want to talk a little bit before we get into into this cross cross country about Dakar, and, okay. and obviously. You made headlines. Um, <laughs> you, you, you did the Dakar, but before that, you were officially paralyzed. Yeah, I broke my back and crushed my spinal cord in 2007, in October 2007. And I had no feeling, no movement or anything like that from my chest down. So mine was what we call an incomplete spinal cord injury. So I started off with nothing and it was like that for, for quite some time and my legs slowly started wasting away and you know, you lose you know, so much stuff, you know, you lose a lot of your ability to digest food, you lose bowel and bladder control and all these kind of things. It was really very, very difficult time. But I had this goal to, to race the Dakar from before that and I lying in that hospital bed I just said, man, I'm gonna still I'm gonna still do that goal, man. I'm gonna go all the way to Dakar. That's the plan. How? How do you have? I mean, <laughs> you're, you're sitting in the situation where you don't know if you're gonna walk around, yeah. and you were still determined that you were gonna do this. Yeah. Well, I was on a little medication, so let's blame it on that. <laughs> but <laughs> but it was and so there was this goal, and I was fortunate enough, you know, they fused my back and um, took some pressure off the spinal cord, and I and I started to get some some movement back, some feeling back. And, you know, you fast forward through the years and started to, to walk again and be able to ride a motorcycle again and then eventually qualify to, to race the Dakar Rally in 2017. It's absolutely phenomenal. And like I said, South Africa was following your story. I'm not even a big motorsport 
enthusiast. Yeah. But when you were part of the Dakar, um, we've got friends. We would get together and chat about it and sort of follow <laughs> your journey. And since then, you've also written a book, right? That's correct, yeah. The book's From Paris to Dakar, which covers my whole story from breaking my back through the years, you know, building up, you know, chasing this dream. And also the, the setbacks along the way, you know, in in 2014, I had, a, I had another big accident where I hit a car on the border of Mozambique and Swaziland, you know, in the middle of nowhere and ended up lying in the bush for three hours and, you know, lots of injuries with that. And then coming back from that again and like recommitting to this goal because, you know, you kind of think like, what am I doing? Is it worth it? And Well, it sounds to me so, like yeah. it's almost like an addiction. Your bike, your bike, I mean, this is two instances that you're speaking about where there's been a bit of tragedy. Yeah. But you keep getting back on and you keep going. Well, that's it, you know. It doesn't make sense to everyone, and I get that, you know, about a goal like this, but it made sense to me. And so as I'm going through the years, you have any setbacks and, and you're thinking, should I give up on my goal? And you can relate it to almost anyone with a goal for whatever area it is, you know, and you're chasing this goal and things are going to set you back. Things are going to be tough and they get hard. And those are the times where you've got to kind of look at it and go like, are you done or can you go a few more rounds? And I, and I thought, no, I can, I can keep swinging. You know, I've got a few more rounds in me and we, we, we pushed on and we healed up from that and we came back stronger and until we got to that start line. And then Dakar itself was a whole, another, well, I mean, whole I mean, thing there. <laughs> how, how, how far or how long is Dakar? Dakar is about 9,000 kilometers. So to give you an idea how far that is, is, you know, visually, it's from Cape Town to Cairo plus 1,000 kilometers. And you cover that distance pretty much off-road in two weeks. How far are you traveling every day then? Every day you're traveling, you know, it depends, but anything from, you know, probably averaging about seven or 800 k's a day. And to getting to the end of Dakar, what, what, what did that feel like? Oh, hitting hitting the goal, like you've got this goal in mind. <laughs> yep, you've, yep. you've had these obstacles that have sort of not helped you get there, but sure. you, you got through them. Yep. How did it feel getting to that finish line? Man, that finish line, you know, those last few days, and I had a lot of challenges on the second last day as well. Um, but but that, that finishing ramp, you ride up that finishing ramp, and it honestly feels like you're just clawing yourself up it, you know, with raw flesh because you are so broken. And so it's such an incredible moment. But at the same time, you're just so completely broken physically emotionally just everything just done but what a feeling to be done it was like it wasn't so much like happiness as it was just relief that it was over (laughs) (laughs) well we're we're all proud of you and um and we're looking forward to the next sort of slot with your cross country and everything that you're doing cool terence how did you get joey involved in this yeah it's interesting because uh, i went to a dakar talk um that i was invited to uh before Joey had started his journey. And I, I sat listening to the story, which absolutely amazed me. But unfortunately, on the evening, I had to leave early due to uh, other arrangements. And uh, anyway, I carried on my journey, and, and Joey went on his. And um, I then followed it, obviously. Like, as you said, everyone else in South Africa, I followed it. It was incredible. It was inspirational. And, you know, he's, uh, he kept you up late at night following where he was he, you know, waking up in the morning. First thing you're doing was getting on to see did he get in so you know all of us followed it was incredible and um you know just after that my daughter bought me the book now which for myself was a challenge because up to then i'd never read a book in my life i mean uh, i'm a 40 year old teenager with add so uh, to get a book really put me under pressure and it had been a father's day gift i had to read it you know so uh I attempted to read this, and uh, as I got into it, I just couldn't put the damn thing down. It was just an incredible, incredible read. I, I have to tell our listeners that um, I'm not being paid to do the show, so I'm not, I'm not your book salesman, um, but your story is inspirational, and I think that's, that's what everybody can take from it, is that it is inspirational. Thank you. Cheers.
Um, the Red Line Motorsports Adventure. I went on it last year. I got invited. You take a bunch of influencers on these races. Um, and obviously, Joey, now I'm, now I'm embarrassed because he's like a proper navigator himself. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I got invited to do it last year. And like I said, my, my knowledge of motorsports is a bit of a joke. And I was in the car with you. I was navigating. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. I, I still, we did a little video that they put together. And I still said that uh, if, I think it's like a ticket that money can't buy to be a navigator in the car with you. And Joey, I finished podium. Sure, man. That's pressure, buddy. I think, I think it is you know, a lot no, of pressure. No, we, we're going there just for a good time. You, you know, we're, we're going there just to relax. Let's take the pressure <laughs> off. I don't want Terence uh, unnecessarily risking my life here. So, you know, there's no pressure. You know, our goal is, is just to finish. Terence, these races, <laughs> these cross-country races, what, what are they in aid of? What, what is, is entailed in, in some of these races? It's a it's South African's version of the Dakar, if you want, you know, but uh, with drawn out. There's six six events which make up 12 days during the course of the year. Uh, the six events move around the country. It's a cross-varied terrain. One of those events being in Botswana, which we've just come back from. Um, so yeah, you know, for I've been racing for 20 odd years. Probably the first 15 in a competitive uh, um, state, and the last five really just, you know, I really have. Uh, international ambitions and, and over the last couple of years I've started doing some international events you know I was in China last year I was in Abu Dhabi this year and the goal obviously being Dakar you know and just coming back from the desert now where I was fortunate enough to win the road to Dakar which means I have an entry to Dakar oh, now wow. so you know my journey is starting you know and very much trying to follow in the footsteps of uh, Joey being as inspirational as he is so yeah the South African it's the best series in the world the most professional run series in the world it's the most competitive in the world and most of the guys measure their performance or their technical ability from a South African platform. So it's, it's, really, it's a really good base to come from. Well, if I can say, I'm, like sitting next to you in the car, you're an incredible driver and, and you know how to handle the car, you know how to push it, you know how to get to where you need to go. Um, are you not scared of putting novices in the navigator seat with you? Yeah, not it, Joe, not Joe, myself. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, it's a big challenge. I think over the last, say, four years, we've had everyone from, you know, musicians to the DJs to television personalities to sports um, personalities. And, and, yeah, every single one for me has been a, it's been a challenge. It's been an adventure. I love the adventure side. I love sharing the experience. Uh, I love the challenge that comes with it because, you know, you know, we don't, I don't push it to the extent that I would with uh with someone like my competition navigator, I wouldn't do that. So you are taking 10 to 20% off what you have to. You're trying to stay in this kind of comfort zone. But at the same time, you still want to be competitive. So, yeah, it's, I, I really enjoy it. I really do. I really do enjoy everything that happens with it. Um, and I look forward to the next one. So, Jerry, some tips. When I was in the car um, the, during qualifying, mm -hmm. I had no idea what I was doing, actually. So, <laughs> so I'd, I'd gone through the navigation. I'd, I'd learned a little bit uh, the calling out, the getting used to it. But I, I actually, until you're in that situation where the flag goes and, and you're traveling at a million kilometers an hour is what it feels like, yeah. and you have fences coming up towards you, and it, it is completely overwhelming, or it was for me. And in the qualifying, while, while being in that seat, something clicked, and all of a sudden, there was this trust where I put my complete faith in Terence yeah. uh, that he would not 
sort of roll the car. I think that was what I was really scared of is the car rolling. Yeah. But it's made to do that as well, right? I think I think it's everybody's fear. I mean, as I said, there's no doubt. Uh, even from a driver's perspective, I think if some guys were aware of what I was thinking sometimes, they wouldn't sit next to me. This isn't helping. These are my tips. <laughs> <laughs> so, so something flicked and um, and there was just trust. And I trusted yeah. him and his driving ability. Yeah, I, can, I can relate to that 100% because we went for our test run, you know, this week uh, on Monday. And I sat in that seat and with with my racing background on the on the motorcycle side, you know, racing the KTMs and things, I, as I sat there, I'm looking up and I'm picking my own lines. So in my mind, I'm going, you know, like I would go on the outside here and then cut in and I'm doing this and, and hey, watch that rock on the left and I'm thinking like this. And I realized very quickly that that's not my job. What I've got to do <laughs> is I've got to navigate and I've got to switch off to picking lines. I've got to switch off to when to brake, when to accelerate and just leave all that to Terrence and just focus on, on navigation. And so that's the plan. So, so Terence is taking be, care of that side. <laughs> it must be difficult for you because you know the lines and you know these things and then you have to take your eyes off the road. Yeah, but we don't go as fast on bikes as well. You've got to remember that these cars go a lot faster than bikes. And so even for me, I stand there wide-eyed, you know, with a wet racing seat. Make no mistake. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, okay, so the trust is in Terence. But at the same time, Terence put his trust in me, which he'll do with you, right? Yeah. You, you, all of a sudden, you've got this almost responsibility where you're looking at these two little screens and you're looking at the book and you're yeah. judging where you are and what's going on. And he does. He, he puts his trust in that you know you have to turn either before or after the fence. That's it, yeah. Yep. Uh, you got to you yep. know what's going on. My biggest advice, I think, is if you're off the book, say you're off the book. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's told me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm rule, lost. The golden rule. The golden rule. No don't winning, don't no make winning. it up. <laughs> Terence, in, in all the time that you've brought these celebrities and influencers, who's been your best? Yeah, that's a difficult one, and everybody always asks me that, and I think it's uh, it's a difficult one to answer. Everyone has been a completely different adventure. I've loved all of them. There's been some, you know, someone like Marius Roberts. I've uh, he's been he's he's attempted it four times and hasn't finished. You know, then you've got guys like Stefan de Blanche who's done it three times and finished. But that know? that's mad because Marius is all about cars. He's mad about cars. He's <laughs> incredible in the seat. He's like a duck to water. But for the life of me, I don't know where he's unlucky or what it is, but uh, he's the one I haven't got home yet, you know. Whereas the guys, uh, Derek Watts, DJ Fresh, uh, yourself, you were the first one on the podium to reach the podium, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and afterwards, uh, you know, thereafter we've had Kurt, uh, Kurt Darren got uh, a really good result as well. So if we train, we train the guys well. We've learnt, I've learned over time how to train the guys. So as you say, all of them click during the, the race. It's just when they click. And when they click and the sequence is in, it's like having a, a really well-connected cell phone call. You can really hear each other clearly and you can communicate well. When that happens, then you, you can raise it by another 10%. And as you said earlier, the trust the trust in the car is, I always say, stronger than most marriages that I've seen, you know, because <laughs> you really are trusting each other. You know, one to drive at excessive speeds in terrain, you, which is madness, and the other one to make the calls in meters uh, at those speeds. So, yeah, the trust is in, incredible. Joey, when it comes to motorsports and, and when you were on Dakar, did you feel South Africa backing you? Were you aware of people online and, and people following Dakar as big as they did? Oh, man, you feel that support huge and it makes all the difference because, uh, you know, what happened to me is on the second last day, I had that car ride right over my bike, you know, and I was out of this race. You know, I, I was out on the second last day and I stood there with this bike just completely destroyed in pieces. And you look down at this bike and what I had is I had names of people on 
on my bike who had helped me to get there. Um, you know, guys who had donated and stuff. So more than 320 names literally just printed all over the bike. And you look at all those names and you think of, you know, I thought of my wife, Meredith, and the support I've got from her and my daughters and all the people over the years and that kind of stuff. And you realize, like, I cannot give up. You, you know what I mean? This is a lot bigger than just me standing here alone in the desert with a broken bike. This is huge. This is, I've had so much people invest time and effort and emotions in this and, and it just wills you on. And I, and I managed to get that bike working again and um, barely. And then I found another bike in the desert 30 Ks later where, where a guy had broken his arms and we'd medivaced out and we stripped parts off that bike <laughs> and got my bike fixed and, and, and got it over the finish line. But it, it does, it takes, it takes knowing that all those people are behind you because when you're on the race, you are completely alone. You, you're just there in the middle of nowhere in South America. And so, yeah, you need to know it's all behind you. But from a size point of view, I had no idea that so many people knew. When I left for the airport, you know, I had my wife and, you know, a bit of extended family kind of see me off. You know, there's about 10 or 15 people there. And when I got back, there was a few hundred and it was like cameras flashing and, you know, carte blanche and super sport and all this. And it was just like, what? What happened? You know, so it was it was a big surprise coming home and a, and a fantastic welcome home. But But I had no idea about the whole media, how big it had got well, while I was the, away. The thing is, your story is inspirational. So that, that's why South Africans would have connected with it. Even South Africans that don't watch sport or motorsport, yeah. um, they all got involved with your story. And, th- and that is the lead up to my next question. Is motorsport in South Africa followed massively or is it quite niche? Now my, you know, my view it would be niche. It would be very, very niche. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a couple of mad buggers that are running around, and whether they're on the tar or in the dirt, it's not a, it's not a huge public reach, unfortunately. But um, as I was going to say, it should be. Yeah, so I, I think it should be. I agree. We think so. Again, I'm totally left field because I'm not in that space, and mm. I don't religiously follow the races. Or you can or, repent. Well, this is it. This is my repentance. Um, but for me, when I was down at that race, um, you know, it's, it's a vibe. There's, it's a real vibe. And even when we weren't on the track or on, on the race, it's a vibe. And you yeah. want to be a part of it. And you're, you're rooting for people. And you want to yeah. know what's going on. And I think it would be really cool for, for people to be more in tune with motorsports in South Africa. Something that's really cool about motorsport, which you don't always see in every other sport, is that with motorsport, you know, the guys often say anything can happen and and it really can and it's, you you know, everything gets flipped on its head. You can be leading the race by miles and miles and, you know, roll the car and then this guy's a mechanical and this guy has a a physical problem and it, it, there's so many things and that's what makes it so incredible, especially the, the longer races like, like this one we're going to do next weekend as well as, you know, races like the Dakar. It get the, the lead just chops and changes and it's, so from a spectator point of view, it has huge value. Huge value. So if spectators want to get involved, where is it? How do we watch it? How do we get involved? Yeah, the, the event's in for the, we were in Kateng, which is quite nice. So uh, we're in an area called Bronco Sprite. I'm not sure of the exact exact venue but it's just off the N4 um, they can go to the the SA cross country website and find the the location there but uh, qualifying happens on, on on the Friday which is about a 45 kilometer sprint for us quickly to set some time up and that's really where as you are where you know Joey will get his first little uh, idea of uh, the pace and the notes and, and try and calibrate everything as I call it and then Saturday we got uh, 400 k's you know that we've got to do basically two loops of just under 200 k's. Well, I'm in town and I'm going to come and support. I'll, I'll, drive, like out, I'll drive out to Broncos Brate. I think it's going to be exciting to see you in the navigation seat. The last question I have, are, are you going to be wearing the nappy? 
<laughs> we're going to make some sort of plan, don't worry. But, uh, but we're going to keep that seat dry one way or the other. <laughs> so that, that's the vibe. If you want to get down, it's in Bronco Sprays. I'm going to put the links um, to the website so you can get all the information uh, in this podcast as well underneath in the information bar. It's been great having you on my jackpot. Um, awesome. Absolutely incredible. Good luck. Cheers. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for the opportunity, man. That's it. Wishing you only good things. And for more good things, visit www.goodthingsguy.com. Okay? Love you. Bye.